0: Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for April 4th, 2022. I told you that this year would be a year of intentional progress for us. Well, we are seeking the progress that we believe God has already established for us from the foundations of the world for this season, but we are seeking that progress on purpose. We're going to be completely intentional about it. So for the last couple of months, a few months now, we've been studying life lessons from the life of Jesus. And we're at a season now where just less than two weeks away from Resurrection Sunday morning. And so now we're preparing our hearts and our minds to celebrate Good Friday, to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, to celebrate the fact that Jesus died for us on Calvary's cross and he redeemed us one time, forever, right? And then he rose from the dead with all power in his hand. So as we've been flowing in this this vein, I'm teaching you the importance of the cross. I pray that you've been learning from it, that you've been enjoying it, and I have some things to share with you this morning. So now I need you to open up your heart to receive what God is about to say. so let's get into the word for this morning. If you missed any of the messages from last week, you should probably go back and check those out. I've been laying a foundation, really teaching you the importance of what Jesus did, the importance of us transitioning from the old covenant to the new covenant. Today's message flows in that same vein. The title of today's message is Understanding the New Covenant Provided by Jesus. I, I often say that you, you will never maximize what you do not understand. And so we, we have to get an understanding. Proverbs says, in all of our ways... Uh, no, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all of our ways, we should seek understanding. So, what does this mean for you today about the whole New Testament and what Jesus ushered us into? I have four things to share with you in this morning. I'm gonna try my best not to preach and get too excited. I want to teach you this because it's super important. So there's four things that I'm gonna share with you on this morning to set the tone for the whole week. I need you to open up your heart to receive what God is about to say. All distractions, rid your mind. Excuse me of all distractions. Four things. Number one, here we go. It is important to truly understand what the Bible teaches and how it applies to you today. So the Bible contains sixty-six books of God's teaching. The Bible, in and of itself, is 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 amazing. It's a miracle, right? It's supernatural. God took you know uh, you know thirty plus authors over the span of fifteen hundred years. And had them all write 66 books, and they all come together as one book. They all come together as one supernatural act because the people that penned the Bible, they were not the authors, they were the conduits. The Holy Spirit was the author. But the Word of God contains the will of God documented, the will of God on paper. There are people all over the world, even now, that are tuning into today's Word, and people all over the world that are seeking the will of God that say, I just wanna know God's will. I wanna know God's will concerning this, I wanna know God's will concerning that and these same people are carrying a Bible around, or they have one on their nightstand, or they have one on their phone, and they have access to it on the internet. Well, the Bible, the Word of God, is the will of God on paper, is the will of God documented. It contains the the will of God. So you should read it slowly, prayerfully, and carefully. And you should see what it meant back then, and then pray and let the Holy Spirit, the author of the book, tell you what it means to you today. So when we read the Bible, we're reading what God said, past tense, with the intention of hearing what God is saying to us today. But once again, you cannot maximize what you do not understand. So the Bible contains many keys to life, right? The the Bible contains the answers to the challenges or the problems that you're facing. But if you cannot understand those keys or if you lack understanding, it will be hard to unlock or to make the most of the keys that are contained in the word. This is where Bible teaching comes in. This is where God has anointed some people to explain God's truth, to unpack it, to break it down to make it clear, to give you an understanding. Because whenever you can see the word, hear the word and understand the word of God, you can be changed by that word that you see, hear and understand. But if you don't understand it, if you don't see, it, if you can't understand it, you, you, you're you not getting it, then you, that, that truth, whatever that truth is, cannot be properly or adequately applied to your life. And so God anoints people to teach. I'm one of those people. And I thank God that he called me to do it and to, to break it down. My cousin Eddie says that I break it down Barney style, right? So I take... Complex truths, and then we break it down into these little chunks and nuggets. And I'm trying to give it to you in a way that you can understand. And so the reason why I'm taking my time to explain the the old covenant versus the new covenant is because this thing has changed my life. The understanding of God's grace, the revelation of God's grace. Me, I walked with God for years without knowing the grace of God. First of all, I work with I walked with God for years. Growing, I grew up in a church that was very religious, and I, and I worship god in church and i didn't even know the god that i was worshiping right i didn't even know him and so i was in church and i didn't even know the god that i was worshiping and so when i because i did not have an understanding then this stuff may, it was confusing to me and so when you, when you don't understand the bible when you don't understand where you are in the book, then some of this, it just sounds weird. So when I when I heard or read stories of the Old Testament and, and like the wrath of God being poured out or the earth opening up and swallowing up people, and then I was like, my God, this is crazy. And so when I read that, I developed a fear of God, not like a reverential fear, like a good Oh, I fear God. No, 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 no. Like I was scared. I was scared of God, <laughs> and so, so now, so here I am. I'm afraid of this God, and I'm supposed to be being drawn into worship, but, but this actual fear. Push me away from God. And so that's one of the reasons why I think growing up, I didn't know God is because I was afraid of him. And so, so especially when people said things like the day of judgment, oh my God, you, you're going to stand before God on the day of judgment. Well, in 1 John 4, 16 and 17, it says that when we stand before God on the day of judgment, we can stand before God with boldness. For as Jesus is, so are we in this world. There's no way. The way I was raised in a religious mindset, going through rituals and rites and routines? No. The fear of God was, ooh, like I I was afraid of God. So I I ran away from God. I I couldn't really worship God the way that we're supposed to worship God. Why? Because I didn't understand the law. I didn't understand the Old Testament. I didn't understand that there was a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant and nobody ever taught me. I I, I never understood that Jesus came to fulfill the law. I I never understood that that I was under grace now and that, that there's a brand new covenant, covenant. And it's a better covenant, the writer of Hebrew says, with better promises. And so, so now this revelation of God's grace has changed my life. Even after I got born again, I preached the word of God for years without knowing grace. I preached for the word of God for years and there was too much emphasis on me. And I was word of faith and I'm preaching faith. faith. It's this, I'm standing on faith. And I'm a decree and I'm a declare and I'm a believe and I will receive. And I was taught that you got to get up in the morning and pray, and pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour. You go, go, go do this and then you got to do these confessions. And then you got to do this and you got to stand on the word. And if it's not working, it's because of you. And if it's not working, it's because your faith is not good, it's not good enough, it's not strong enough. If it's not working, it's because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you're not, And so all of this pressure was on me, even after I got born again. And so I didn't understand the grace of God. And I'm telling you, I'm just being honest with y'all. It wasn't until I think 2012, yeah, 2012, that I really started hearing the message of God's grace and I started studying it for myself. And the understanding, it wasn't that a lot of, some of this, it wasn't that it, I was incorrect, but but my understanding was incomplete. And so, so trying to live by faith without understanding grace, it just doesn't work. And because now there's too much emphasis on you and I got to do this and I, I'm going to believe, I'm going to receive, I'm going to decree, I'm going to declare, I'm going to do my confessions. I'm going to do this and I'm going to pray and I'm listen. And that was too much of me in the way. And so understanding the grace of God has changed my life. And so because it's changed my life, I got to share it with you. Like, you know, even going back to before I got really born again, you know, I, when when I was real religious and I was raised in a religious environment, and so I was like, man, I got to do everything right. And because I, I love God and I was trying to do right, then, then I tried my best to do everything right, but I was living under human performance, and then later I was living under performance-based religion. And the, the writer of Hebrews said, this is Re- Hebrews 8 and 7, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no need for a second covenant to replace it now notice that the bible doesn't say that the second covenant was added to the first covenant i didn't make this up the bible says it replaces it so it wasn't that in addition it was a replacement and so the same writer goes on to say when god speaks of a new covenant it means that he made the first one obsolete and since it's now obsolete is now out of date and it will soon disappear. That's Hebrews chapter eight and verse thirteen. So the old covenant, the law of Moses, is obsolete. It has been superseded. It has been replaced. And under the old covenant, God wrote His law on tablets of stone. Hebrews eight and ten says, under the new covenant, He writes His law upon our hearts. And so now it's a completely different thing. And and, and the Bible says, now that He writes His law on my hearts we will be his people. So now I have God's law on my heart and in my mind, and I'm under this new covenant. And under the new covenant, Hebrews 8 and 12, God says, I will be merciful unto your unrighteousness and your sins and your iniquities. I will remember no more. And so here I am living under the old covenant, even though I'm under the new covenant and I didn't even know it because nobody ever taught me. But once I learned it though, once I learned it, it's been so liberating to me from 2012 to now, it's been so liberating that I have to tell people about it. That's why I preach the grace life. I I need people to know. God has called me. God's like, hey, tell people about how you've been set free. I was born again and I was still locked up under performance-based religion. And now I've been set free by the grace of God. All right. Number two, the old covenant served this purpose. It showed people their sin and highlighted their need for a savior. So the law of Moses, and some of this I've taught you already, but I got to keep saying it so you can get it. The law of Moses was not designed to save you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, the Bible says, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter referred to here in 2 Corinthians is the law of Moses. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The spirit referred to here is the Holy Spirit. So once you're born again, the Holy Spirit gives you life. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 56, the Bible says, the law gives sin its strength. I told you this before. Without the law, you couldn't sin because you didn't have any rules to break. But once the law was introduced, now you had sin. I mean, you have rules, and as soon as you have rules, you break the rules, and now you have sin. So in two places, Romans 6 and 15, and in Galatians 3, 24 and 25, the apostle Paul makes it very clear in plain English that you are no longer under the law, but under grace. And the Bible says that, not me. So Paul even called the Ten Commandments in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 7, the Ten Commandments, the law etched on stone, he called it the ministry of death. Why? Because the, the purpose of the law was to get you to the end of yourself. The purpose of the law was to get you to the point where you're like, man, I need Jesus. I need a Savior. Like, I'm not good enough. I would never be good enough. I need a Savior. That Savior came. His name is Jesus. Once again, I'm just reinforcing this because, and I'm giving you all these scriptures and you should get my notes because I don't want you to think that I'm making this up. This is all in the Bible. You should read this for yourself. Number 3. Many believers are holding on to the old covenant just because they don't understand where we are in the book. It's like, you know what I'm Let's say for let me break it down. Let's say you're watching a movie. And there's different parts of the movie, and the movie is taking you through a progression. Well, if you don't know where you are in the movie, then you could get confused, right? And it's like that in the book. If you don't know where you are in the book, then it's easy for you to get confused. So let me just take a minute for that and try to break this down. The old covenant focused on human effort and on what man could do for God. And the spotlight was on man, right? But under the new covenant, the spotlight is on God and what he's already done for us. But the problem is that many people don't understand it, so they haven't made the transition. And so since they haven't made the transition, this is where confusion comes in. Under the old covenant, it sought to highlight sin. The the purpose of the old covenant was to highlight man and our flaws so that we could highlight sin so that we can know that we need a savior. But under the new covenant, the, the the spotlight is on the fact that the savior already came, that God has saved us from our sin. And all we have to do now is to believe and receive what God has already provided. And when we accept Jesus as Lord, we're forgiven of our sin. And so our sins and our iniquities, God will remember no more. But you got to understand where you are in the book. So the the Bible makes several transitions. Let me let me slow down. If you go all the way back to the garden of Eden. So in the garden of Eden there were there were no ten commandments, there were no there was no law. There was just one rule, and even that they broke it. But anyway, under the under uh the relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden of Eden, they walked with God and God walked with them in the cool of the day, and they were so spirit conscious that they were clothed with the glory of God, that they, they, they didn't even realize or recognize that they were naked. This is Galatians 2 and 20, I mean, Genesis 2 and 25. Uh, but when Adam sinned and their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked and they were judged, they were kicked out of the garden. So once they got kicked out of the garden because of their transgression, that was a transition. So you had garden of Eden, time, and then they got kicked out. So once they got kicked out, that's a transition. They no longer walk with God in the cool of the day. They're no longer clothed with the glory of God. they no longer naked and not ashamed. None of that. Why? Because there was a transition. Then later, God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Abraham. Abraham was around people that worshiped idols. They worshiped gods that they could see. Well, this God was a God that Abraham could not see. So God calls Abraham who, uh, and, and he said, Hey, I need you to, to worship me, a God that you cannot see and believe that I'm going to show up in ways that you can see. And Abraham believed God by faith and it was accounted to him or attributed to him as righteousness. And so now that was another transition where God is now working with Abraham and now he believed God and it was all about faith. And now it was accounted to him for, for righteousness. And now we're Abraham see because he's the father of faith right? So that was a different transition from, from the Garden of Eden, boom, getting kicked out. That's a transition. And now Abraham, father of faith, establishing a brand new thing about faith. Okay, that's a transition. Later with Noah, you know what happened with Noah? God destroyed the earth with water. Well, that was a transition. And then post that, God says, I will never do that again. I will never destroy the earth with water. There will, there will come a time where I will cover the earth with fire, destroy the earth with fire, but I'll never do it with water again that's another transition. And then there was another transition when God introduced the law, the law of Moses. So now the law comes in with the, with, uh, the 10 commandments. And once the, the law was introduced, boom, that's another transition. So now people have to live under the law. And then Jesus came. And when Jesus came on the scene, That's another transition. And so now we're no longer under the law. And guess what? Later, the rapture will come. And one day, we'll be gone. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be raptured. And when the rapture comes, that will mark another transition. And then another time, Jesus is going to come back after the rapture. And when he comes back again in glory, he's going to become in glory to judge the living and the dead. And that will be another transition. And then watch this. And even at the end of the book, the Bible says in Revelations 21 and 1, at the end of the book, the Bible says... Uh, for the first heaven. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. And the first earth was passed away and there was no longer any sea. So there's going to be another transition where there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And under the new earth, there won't be no sea, like there won't be no red sea. There won't be an Atlantic ocean, none of that. That's under, that will be another transition. And so, so the problem is you got to find yourself in the book. If you don't understand where you are in the story, come on now, if you don't understand where you are in the book, then you would say the Bible contradicts itself. When you don't know where you are in the book, then you would say God is schizophrenic. God has, you know, God has multiple wills. No, God has one will, but you got to understand where you are in the book. So if you don't understand where you are in the book, then you don't understand where you are on the journey. And so so you can't come over here and say, well, I'm right here in the book, but I want a new heaven and I know I want a new earth and I want a new earth without any sea. No, you can't because we're not at that time yet. But just like we're not at that time yet, you shouldn't be over here trying to grab stuff from the old covenant and say it applies to me today. No, no, that's not where we are in the book. And so you got to get an understanding of the journey, which is why I'm teaching this so that people can understand it. All right, last thing, last thing. I hope you're getting this. This is good. This is good teaching. I'm trying to slow down. All right, number four, Jesus delivered us from performance-based religion. So going back to not, so I'm not going to deal with rapture, We ain't there yet. I'm not going to deal with Jesus is coming back and on his leg was written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No, we ain't there yet. I'm not going to deal with new heaven and new earth. We ain't there yet. Where where are we at right now in the book? Where we are right now in the book is that Jesus delivered us from performance-based religion and now we're under the dispensation of God's grace. That's where we are in the book. So let's talk about that because that's what we're about to celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. You got it? All right. So Jesus delivered us from performance-based religion. The apostle Paul, went on several missionary journeys, and he ran into a lot of opposition whenever he preached grace, because he was preaching grace a lot of times to people that have, were converts from, from, from Judaism. And so now they were conditioned to focus on works. And so the Jewish converts, they rejected what Paul said. They rejected the gospel of grace because they were so focused on what they were doing for God. They rejected the gospel of God's grace because they wanted to focus on, hey, I'm a good person. Look at my works. Look at what I'm doing. And so so they rejected the gospel of grace. Unfortunately, 2000 years later, Jews and non-Jews alike are still doing the same thing. There are people that are fighting the grace of God because they want to say, no, forget this grace that's free for everybody. Look at me. Look at me. I'm a good person. Look at me. I go to church every Sunday. Look at me. Oh, I feed the homeless. Look at me. I go to the homeless shelter. Oh, look at me. I'm doing this. I preach in prison. Oh, look at me. No, no. Look at me. No, no. See, you're focusing on works and you're trying to make yourself look good. And it's not about now. If you want to do all that because you're being led of the Holy Spirit, then do it to glorify God, not to glorify yourself. You should perform works. Because you're saved, not to be saved. Let me say that again. You perform works because you're saved, not to be saved. Salvation is a gift. You cannot earn it. Ephesians 2:8 8, 9 says, God saved you by his grace. When you believe, and you can't take credit for it. You can't. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. Salvation is not a reward for you saying, Oh, God says, Hey, you were really good. You do that little soup kitchen on Saturdays, or you give clothes, you know, you're doing this, therefore, you're gonna say, No, you salvation is not a reward for what you have done. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it. All you can do is accept. Jesus, and accept the gift. If you work for a gift, it's no longer a gift. It's payment. And so so now what we do is we work because we're saved. We're not working to be saved. And when we work, we work to glorify God, not to glorify ourselves, not to say that, oh, look at me. Look at what I've done. No, it's only by the grace of God. It's the grace life. You get it? All right. So embracing God's grace. Let Let me close this thing out. Embracing God's grace has changed my life change my ministry. I no longer focused on myself or me trying to be good enough for God or his assignment for my life. Listen, I know I'm not good enough, but I can accept it. I embrace the grace of God to be Rick Pena. I embrace the grace of God to be who it is that God has called me to be. And I do it because I love him and I know he loves me. I know he loves me despite my faults and my flaws and my failures. I know he loves me despite the fact that I have made more mistakes than I want to acknowledge. Therefore, I cannot look down on other people. I can't look down on other people because the closer you get to God, the less you think of yourself. Because I know God and I know how messed up I am, I cannot look down on other people. Why? Because those of us that are recipients of grace should be extenders of grace. And so now what I do is I let everybody know, everyone everywhere know that we are who we are by the grace of God. And don't look at me and think that I'm righteous or holy. No, I I only am who I am by the grace of God and God's grace towards me shall not be in vain. But guess what? If God can use me and I'm jacked up, God can use you. God can use you despite your faults and despite your flaws and despite your failures. And it's not that I'm right and you're wrong. It's that that we're all wrong and we all need a savior. And that savior came and his name is Jesus. And he set us free from human effort. And so I'm delivered and now I get to live the grace life. Now I'm free to do whatever God tells me to do. Now I'm down for whatever. And so now Isabella and I, we just, okay, God, what do you want? And you want us to do this? Okay. I don't know how to do that, but if you want me to do it, I'll do it. Hey, let's do it. And you God, you want me to do what? Start this, file for this, uh, start this corporation. I want you to do this over here. I want you to send, oh, I don't know how to do it. But if if you're telling me to do it, I'll do it. And I'm not trying to earn anything. I'm not trying to work for anything. And I'm not afraid of going to hell. I know I'm not going to hell. And so, so, so now I'm just doing whatever you want me to do. And Father, it is the grace. It is so liberating. I'm telling you, this is great. God, you want me to give what? Ooh. That's cool. Oh, man, that's a lot of money. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. There was a time where I couldn't even get the, You know, a portion of this. Let's write out that check. What else you want me to do? Well, it's all yours anyway. And so you know what I'm saying? Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever. And like you know, those of you uh, at work, I work at this company called Worldwide Technology. I didn't even want to be there. I don't want to, I didn't even want to do that. I want to do other things. God said, No, I want you to be there. And I'm there as long as he wants me to be there. And if he ever tells me to go, I'll go. If he ever tells me to transition, I'll transition. Whatever God wants, my life is not about me. Your life is not about you, it's all about God. And when you stop focusing on yourself, and when you stop focusing on human effort, human ability, human strength, look at me, look down on other people. No that's religious activity. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Listen, embrace the grace of God. Be gracious towards others because God is gracious towards you. All right, let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I hope you're getting this. I want you to speak this over your life. Say, Father, thank you for helping me to understand your grace. Before the law was given, you freely blessed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses by grace. They didn't earn anything, yet you blessed them richly, not because they were good, but because you were good. But then the law was given, and under the law, there was a shift to human effort. Under the law, you dealt with humanity according to man's performance, So under the law, you required man to live under rules and regulations. And the law was designed to get man to the end of himself, to show us that we needed a Savior. But that Savior came, and his name is Jesus. Through Jesus, we have a new covenant. And the old covenant is obsolete. I am no longer under the law. I'm under grace. I no longer live my life focused on human effort, on whether or not I'm good enough. I live my life focused on you, on your love for me, and what you assigned me to do before the world began. Not because I'm good, but because you are good. So I can do all things because you live through me. And living this way I know greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name, amen. This is today's word. This is today's word. Please, this is a message you might need to listen to again. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. This is the grace life. I pray that you get it. I don't know, I'm I'm trying to do my best to explain this in a way that you can get it. I really pray that you get it. All right. And I don't know what if I'm going to flow in the same vein again tomorrow, but I'm trying to get you to get it because I know how important this is. This thing has changed my life. I pray that it does the same for you. So listen, do me a favor. Uh, go into this uh, chat. Go into the chat. Leave me some comments if this message was a blessing and then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline and with your friends. I love you and God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.